In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you remember that late 1990s TV show, Frasier? The show features pop psychologist Dr. Frasier Crane, an on-air radio personality. In the pilot, his producer Roz tells a story about Lupe Velez, a 1930s fading from public memory movie star who decided to make one more attempt at immortality. Lupe figured that since her acting career was unmemorable, she could be remembered for her death. All Lupe wanted was to be remembered. Flowers, candles, silk sheets, a white satin gown, full hair and makeup, the works. She takes the overdose of pills, lies down on her bed, and imagine how beautiful she's going to look on the front page of tomorrow's newspaper. Unfortunately, the pills don't set well with her enchilada chili combo platter that she tragically chose for her last meal. She stumbles into the bathroom, trips, and goes headfirst into the toilet bowl. And that's how they found her. Once Roz finishes the story, Frazier irritably asks, Roz, why are you telling me this? To which she replies, even though things may not happen like we plan, they can work out in the end. Frazier taunts, remind me again how it worked out for Loopy, last seen with her head in a toilet bowl. Roz responds, all she wanted was to be remembered. Will you forget that story? I mention this story because it puts a humorous spin on our desire to have our name remembered. How do we want to be remembered? Do we want to be remembered for a role or a title, like being a suffragette? Or do we want to be remembered at a personal level for who we are and what we accomplished, like Susan B. Anthony? In this morning's Exodus reading, there are shockingly few names, titles, but few names. The king of Egypt has no name. He is addressed merely as Pharaoh, his honorific title. His individual name, lost to history. The Egyptian taskmasters, these brutal enforcers of slavery, unnamed. Even the daughter of Pharaoh, who literally rescues the baby Moses from the waters of the Nile. Even she, who responds in compassion and pity to the crying baby Moses. Even she is unnamed. The most powerful players in this narrative are unnamed. The people who had the power and imagination to create the architectural legacy of the pyramids are nameless perpetrators of violence in our holy scriptures. We only have their titles. Now, some of you may have noticed that Moses' parents are also unnamed in this reading. And yes, in this particular section of scripture, they are unnamed. But unlike Pharaoh and the others, Moses' parents are named later, five chapters later. Jochebed and Aram are listed in Moses' genealogy. So who is named in this morning's scripture? You probably noticed that Moses is named. 
He's a helpless baby floating down the Nile River, a, a, a tempting appetizer for a crocodile. He's as utterly powerless as a person can be. Baby Moses is totally and completely dependent upon adults for his survival. The only reason that Moses survived Pharaoh's gender-based let's kill all the Jewish boys, let's kill the future leadership of the Jewish people, because remember, this is a patriarchal culture, so they believe the lie that only men can lead. So Pharaoh's death decree was a direct hit to the Jewish people's future hope for liberation and self-determination. Yet Moses survived this genocidal edict. How? Because of two Jewish midwives, Shephra and Pua. Moses survived because these righteous women defied Pharaoh's power. Aside from Moses, in this section of scripture, these two women are the only ones with names. Have you, have you noticed how God isn't really mentioned much in this section of scripture? Naturally, we assume that God's working behind the scenes, saving Moses' life and countless others through the actions of Shephra and Pua. And I'm sure indeed that God is. Yet it is only in association with Shephra and Pua that God is directly mentioned. Both women fear, that is, respect, honor, God. And this respect of God has them doing something that, well, I at least find shocking. Their respect for God motivates them to lie to Pharaoh. Yeah, you heard that right, lie. And what happens because of their lie? More Jewish boys are saved from being slaughtered, and God himself unexpectedly intervenes in both women's lives. Both midwives are blessed with their own newborn children. Blessed for lying? How can this be? Well, let me be perfectly clear. I am not endorsing lying. And elsewhere in scripture, we have the ninth commandment that commands us to give honest testimony. We also have Jesus condemning lying, saying, let our yes be yes and our no be no. Being honest is a, corn, is a cornerstone of integrity. It's impossible to have integrity and to be untrustworthy. So how do we understand God's blessing of a lie, even a lie that saved Moses' life? Scripture says that Shephra and, Pua are re Shephra and Pua respected God. They decided to serve God and not Pharaoh. They didn't serve the powers of this world. They would rather experience death, torture, or whatever other cruel punishment Pharaoh could con concoct than to portray what they believed about God. Shephra and Pua did not have the Mosaic law. They did not yet have the Ten Commandments. No, instead they had the oral traditions of what God said to Noah before the flood. The earth is filled with violence. The Hebrew scriptures acknowledge that as much as we might wish it wasn't so, that violence is a part of the human condition. Shephra and Pua understood that human violence grieves God's heart. God was so troubled by humankind's violence that he sent a flood to stop it. 
Both Shephra and Pua knew that in their era, the genocide of baby boys by a ruthless king was not sanctioned by God. So they had to act. And if their actions included a lie, so be it. We know their names because of their bravery. Unlike Lupi Velez, who hoped to make a name for herself in her death, Shefra and Pua made a name for themselves in life. What type of name are we making for ourselves? Amen.